0: Welcome to episode 127 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson and I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me fresh off of his recent trip to San Francisco, California, which is always awesome for so many reasons. Great food, great scenery, lots of weirdos, uh, (laughs) lots of cool architecture. How was the trip?
1: Lots of weirdos. Now you're offending the weirdos, so we got that out of the way. Yeah, there is some strange people in San Francisco, so... But if you live in San Francisco, everyone will admit to that. So I don't know if that's offensive or not. So I saw some strange people, met some strange people, met some good people, had some good food. I mean, you have to get your clam chowder in a sourdough bowl. I mean, that's just natural. You have to get your seafood. Uh And I always like to go either get the Chinese food or the Thai food. And it's interesting when you go to Chinatown, you're actually walking through the kitchen in some of these places before you can get a seat. And that's a whole other cultural experience. So good trip, good people, strange people, good food. For the most part, and, of course, cold, always cold in California. Well, always cold in northern California In San Francisco. Don't think you're going to get any beach time.
0: Well, you get that breeze coming off of the bay, but if you go over into the East Bay, like into Walnut Creek or something, it's hot.
1: It is. I've lived in Sacramento for a while, and it's amazing how much hotter it is. And we start going more and more inland, it's just that temperature just cranks up, and then all of a sudden it could be 30, 40 degrees difference from Sacramento to yeah. San Francisco, and it's only an hour and a half. 200%. Yeah,
0: it's not it's not too far, but I like San Francisco. It's a cool town. And there's this restaurant there. I've been wanting to try it called the Stinky Rose. You ever heard of that?
1: <laughs> well, we should talk about verbal packaging. I don't think that's the best name for a restaurant, but do tell, I have not been there. I think
0: they're just owning it because their specialty is cooking with garlic. So everything's oh, got a okay. bunch of garlic in it, and so they just said, Hey, we're gonna lean into this and call it the stinky rose. So if listeners, if you've been to the Stinky Rose, send us an email. We want to get the culinary report. And next time one of us is out there, we'll be sure to go and, and give you our thoughts. But maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com is the email address. We want to hear about the Stinky Rose in San Francisco. Is it really any good?
1: Do tell. Yeah, that's an interesting name. Yeah. Stinky Rose.
0: So you go to these places in Chinatown. I think I went to one with you, and I think we did go through the kitchen. I mean, is the health <laughs> department just ignoring that? or I don't see how that's kosher.
1: I don't either. It's a whole other culture over there. Maybe they consider it another country where they don't go in, yeah, <laughs> and do inspections because cats are missing, things are happening. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> 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 but it is. You're walking through the kitchen. They're chopping things up. Or like, it's almost like you're walking into someone's bedroom or something you're like am i allowed to be here i'm feeling kind of awkward i don't want to see my food prepared
0: well if you take a right and go up the stairs you're probably in the family's home that owns the restaurant that's yeah, probably
1: true in some of those places but it was awesome food it was really good it was just getting used to that and then of course one restaurant i went to is that oh well if you want a drink there's a liquor store across the street if you want a soda you got to go across the street and get it <laughs> Like <laughs> okay Well, I will do that that. while I'm waiting for my food. Yeah,
0: I'll be at the liquor store if you need me. Call my number.
1: Yeah, do you have one of those things that buzz and, you know, let me know my food's ready? They're like, yeah, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're here, you get it. If not, we'll eat it. I'm like, okay.
0: Yep, those dive (laughs) restaurants, it's their rules. You just got to put up with it.
1: That's right. It's like the uh, soup Nazi for the Seinfeld fans. This is the Chinese Nazi, if you've ever seen that (laughs) that show on Seinfeld.
0: (laughs) Well, welcome back. Welcome back from San Francisco. Glad to have you back here. And we've got a good show planned out for everybody today. As always, follow us on Twitter at influence Max. That's our Twitter handle. You can like our page on Facebook and follow us there. Just punch in Maximize Your Influence in the search bar on Facebook. Send us your comments, questions, derogatory remarks, insults, recipes, and whatever else you think that we should know about. That always opens us up for something weird. We've had the weird stuff before, but... Maximize your influence at gmail.com is the address to get a hold of us at. And uh, also questions. We like questions. We like to hear about, hey, I talked to this prospect and they said this or they did that. If it's a good one, we'll answer it on the show for you live and in person so you can get some feedback from us there. We always like to get those kinds of emails from you.
1: Yeah, and let me add this. If you're feeling brave, send us one of your recordings of your phone calls. We might play a little clip. We'll analyze it for you. We won't name names. But if you want to be brave and have a little critique, go ahead and do that. We'd love to do that help other people out.
0: Yeah, and we'll, of course, sanitize the call, take out any personal or company information. Nobody would have any way of knowing what that's going to look like. So, yeah, if you're feeling really brave, bring it. Let's see what you got. Bring it on. Yeah, let's see what you got. So Kurt is so excited to push the Urkel button, Steve Urkel from the 90s sitcom Family Matters, who is kind of the crown prince of geekiness, I think everybody mm. would agree. And, Kurt, we, we always push that because his articles are so incredibly geeky <laughs> from these journals that nobody has ever heard of. Kurt, which obscure journal are you referencing today?
1: Well, this is Urkel, Steve's favorite, not mine.
0: I think they know that. I think they know how you feel <laughs> about Urkel.
1: Well... This one's called the psychoanalyst. Now, I mean, everyone, again, everyone has these. I don't know why you even talk about. It. You probably already read the article. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we talk a lot about mindset and self persuasion, and this was really interesting by Doctor Gerald Schoenwolf about seven mental blocks to being rich. Kind of grabbed my attention. Thought it was interesting.
0: And there are mental blocks.
1: About. There are mental blocks, and that's one of the first things I do when I train people who are on commission. And I tell you, look, study after study shows you earn what you feel you're worth. That causes a lot of conflict, a lot of mental conflict. But study after study after study shows this is to be true. Billionaires think like billionaires. Millionaires think like millionaires. 50,000-year people think like 50,000-year people. It doesn't matter what your number is. That's where you're at. So let's go over a few of these and talk about them because it's always good to review. Hopefully it is a review and we review because a lot of the things we're not working on. And the first one he talks about, kind of mentioned is belief. Right? You've got to believe that you can become wealthy, that you can become successful. I've said it before that the universe will not reward you physically until you believe it mentally. You've got to see yourself there, whatever it is that you want with success and wealth, and until you can visualize it's not going to matter. That's number one. Number two that holds people back is the fear of failure, right? And that really puts the brakes on success. So of failure, failure, fear of criticism, I'm going to add to that. All these fears really hold you back. And he adds another fear, too, the fear of success, which I always thought is interesting. Is why people are afraid of a nice car and a nice home. And it's not necessarily that, but the fear of maintaining it, the fear of what people are going to say about you, right? Because there's always the people that are going to beat you up for having more money than them. They're going to say rude things, so that's a legitimate fear. Then he goes into another one is bad habits, Right? When you get the habit of living from paycheck to paycheck or habits of losing money or the habits of not working hard, all these little habits can really hurt because either the habits are helping you or hurting you, so that could really hurt you. The next one he talks about, which is interesting, is ignorance, right? He talks about don't be lazy. You know, study those that are successful, study the stock market, study finances, and you just don't know, what are wealthy people doing with their money? How do people become wealthy? Reading autobiographies, having a personal development program, it's not just going to happen. If you want to be successful in your niche, you've got to look at other people who are successful there, read the books, go to the seminars, listen to the podcast. How's that for a plug, right? You've got to learn. Then he the final one he talks about, he puts these in two different categories, is attitude. Attitude towards money, attitude towards security. And attitude comes from your expectations. And so what is your attitude towards money, towards success, towards security? And it's interesting and important to understand. Like, for example, when you see someone in a successful home or driving a very nice car, it's interesting. A lot of people have negative and derogatory things to say about this person. They never even met them. Yeah. yeah. When you see a successful person, you've got to say, good for you. I'm next. You have to remember, you cannot become what you resent you cannot become what you despise. You cannot become what you make fun of. When you see that person, you've got to say, hey, good for them. Otherwise, it will never happen for you. Yeah. Do
0: you remember the title of that movie with Will Smith where he played the stockbroker in San Francisco, actually? And he was broke. I know the guy's last name was Carter. I think.
1: Some about happiness, wasn't it? A
0: pursuit of Happiness. That's what yeah. it's called. That's a great movie. And that's what he did is he saw some investment banker or stockbroker or something pull up in front of a building in a red Ferrari. And instead of doing what most people do, and I'm guilty of this many times, oh, that guy's a drug dealer. That guy's a trust fund, baby. That guy's a scam artist, right? Is he ran up to him and said, sir, what do you do? (laughs) Right? He was not ashamed at all to ask. And, you know, he was in that place where he was humble enough to realize that he didn't have all the answers and that there are other smart people out there and they're successful and you can learn from them.
1: And that's exactly right. is, is being humble. Realize you can learn from other people. Realize you can learn anything from anybody, even if it's what not to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Go to someone who's laying in the street that's homeless. Okay, what have you done? <laughs> Tell me your path here and do the opposite. I mean, being humble, realize you can learn things from other people and that you've got to get past the ignorance. You've got to change your mindset because it makes the biggest difference as far as your success your wealth, whatever that you want to accomplish, it's the same path and you have to realize that I've been guilty here before too where I'm sitting in the seminars and all these successful people talk about vision and mindset and goal setting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, give me the tools. It took me years to realize those are the tools. Those are the most important tools and people forget about those the most. They work on them last. They have to fail a few times and realize, oh, I better work on the mindset because it makes the biggest difference. Right, right.
0: One of those things that you said from the article was, don't be lazy. And my initial reaction to that was, oh, well, that's groundbreaking. And then as you were talking, I, I thought through it a little bit more. And I realized that's that's more profound than we're probably giving it credit for. Because along the lines of what we said earlier is that there are people out there, there are top producers in your business, in your industry, in other businesses that are more than happy to mentor you or give you advice. The roadmap is there. It's relatively clear But we're too lazy. We're too comfortable in what our life is right now, and that would require us to do something that we're not comfortable doing. And I think the fact is, Kurt, is that for a lot of people, when it gets right down to it, and this is a sad fact, it's just easier to complain than it is to change.
1: Mm, That's so true. The the known pain for people is so much easier to handle than the unknown pain. So the known pain of... Where they're at, how much money they're making, the job they're at, that's known pain, and they can complain about that. And that's easier for them to go out to the unknown pain, finding something better, learning a new skill, becoming an entrepreneur, or quitting your job, starting to invest. That scares people a little bit, and that's that fear that holds people back. And But that is human nature. The complaining is so much easier to complain about the known pain than take that leap of faith to the unknown pain.
0: Yeah, it's a subconscious trap. It's just the subconscious mind is holding you back because you know what to expect. And so you'll just put up with the pain and everything because the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Although exactly. it's not really. But. A profound quote from a very profound Source, Master Shifu from Kung Fu Panda 3. Do I have kids or what?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell us your Kung Fu Panda uh, It's a good
0: quote. It's a good okay. quote. Master Shifu said to Poe in Kung Fu Panda, he said, if you only do what you can do, you will never become more than what you are.
1: Yeah, I'll give you that one. That one's pretty good. It's a
0: good quote for from a crazy kid movie. I thought, you know, you've got to do something that you can't do if you want to be more than what you are. It's pretty
1: you gotta good. you got to stretch yourself. I, say, I tell a lot of people when they start – doing UniversityPersuasion.com for the first time or anything for the first time, say, "Let's be like exercising. If you haven't exercised in three months, the first time you exercise, uh, yeah, it'll hurt a little bit. But as you keep going and keep exercising, keep doing it, it starts to feel good. You start craving it. You start wanting it. You see the changes. But the first couple of times when you're feeling that stretch, doing something you haven't been doing that you're supposed to be doing, you're exactly right. There you go. There you go.
0: So it wasn't a completely ridiculous quote. I could tell you were buckling up there.
1: <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. I'm like, oh, man, that was pretty good. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, my co
0: host has lost it. He's, he's quoting cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing we've done on the show, though. We, oh, we insult true. people all the time.
1: We offend the Kung Fu Panda listeners or watchers, I guess we'll call them. Yeah. <laughs> Viewers. Viewers.
0: Yeah, it's people okay. with kids. It was actually a pretty funny movie. So, All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to something that we came to talk about today before we get on a Kung Fu Panda tangent. Leadership, our second of a four-part series that we're going to be doing on the four components of leadership. If you're a persuader, your prospects need somebody to follow. They need somebody to take charge and, and show them what their options are and help them make some decisions. If you're a leader, if you're running a business or you're some kind of a sales team leader or project manager or something, you've got to have some qualities about you that make you a good leader. And that's what we're devoting the, this show, the last one, the next couple of tours. And today we're getting into the second portion of that, which has to do with what your core inner qualities are, what's inside of you as a leader, because that's going to come out and that's going to influence people. Kurt, what are some of the top inner qualities, the top core qualities of good leaders
1: or bad leaders? You know, as we talk about these core qualities, we're talking about the mindset, and it comes back to, if you can't lead yourself, you can't lead other people. I mean, that's what we're really talking about here. And so we have to really look at your core inner qualities, because it comes through as a leader, as a persuader, as a salesperson, it doesn't matter. And so one I'm going to put out there, which is surprising to a lot of people, that really helps you is your competence. and how are you perceived? Because when you feel competent... When you know what you're able to accomplish, when you know you can serve and help the other person, when you know you're up to speed in the business and the product, the service, what you're talking about, it does something to your psyche, to your mindset, and it comes across. Not only does it increase your confidence, but you have that confidence that you're able to help that person, to serve that person. It's This is your, your expertise. You've spent a lifetime learning your subject, your personal development. This commands respect in the other person. And what also it does is just your mindset, you're different, you walk different, you act different. You know that you're the expert. You know you can solve their problem. You know you're one of the best at what you do. That changes everything, not only how they treat you, but in your core qualities in your self-leadership, but how you're portrayed and how you react to different situations. People sense that. And it makes a huge difference in your success in those inner core qualities.
0: Okay. So is this, is this a daily I – mean, how do we enhance this stuff? How do we make ourselves better at it?
1: Well, let me just put it this way. I'm a big believer and so are you in your personal development program. If you're not reading to something or listening to something every day in your car, turning your car into a university on wheels, you are shooting yourself in the foot. And there's two reasons why. The first ones, a Harvard study shows that those who are learning and growing every day, they're more optimistic, they're more enthusiastic about where they're going, what they're going to accomplish. But those who do not learn and grow every day become very negative, pessimistic, and doubtful. So it does something to your psyche, those inner core qualities, number one. Number two, every challenge, every obstacle you're going to face in business and in life, someone's already faced it, overcome it, and has written a book about it, has a podcast about it, has a seminar about it. Now, I know you're smart enough to figure it out on your own, but why take two years to figure something out when you can read a book or listen to a podcast or go to a seminar and figure the same thing out in less than a week? That's why it's so important to really be competent to have a personal development program a for the mindset and B for the knowledge that you're going to learn
0: You think that that's the the main key here is is to just always be learning and growing i've I've met a few people who are learning and growing junkies. (laughs) It's it's all they do. They're just reading and all that kind of stuff, and they never really do anything. But I guess if that's what makes them happy, whatever. What do you have to say about that balance between learning and growing and and taking action?
1: Well, you should be learning and growing with things that make a big difference in your work and what you do. If you're just learning things that don't apply to what you're doing, I mean, it's good that you're learning and, and doing different things, but there comes a point where... You don't want to go to 10 seminars and never do anything about it, become a seminar junkie, but it's all about the application. So, okay, this is what I learned, this is how I'm going to apply it, this is how I'm going to use it. If you're just learning and growing and never applying and never changing and never adjusting and never trying those things you you know that you're learning, that's when you cross the line of being that junkie as far as just always learning and never applying and never growing and never doing, that's when it becomes a challenge.
0: Okay. And getting really specific here, I mean – is there a certain amount of time we should be spending on, on this kind of stuff per day? Is is there such thing as too much?
1: Well, sure. If you're spending the whole day in personal development never making and never doing those real income-producing activities, that's a challenge. And so the number that I love comes from one of my first mentors, Brian Tracy. He says, if you can read 30 minutes a day, do 30 minutes of personal development a day, your income will double every year. Okay. I
0: could see that so, being the sweet spot where it's it's feeding your mind, you're learning, and you're growing, and it's giving you enough energy to really tackle the rest of the day where you're doing as opposed to learning.
1: So put that as a goal, 30 minutes a day, whether it's in your car, listening to an audio, reading a book, or all the above. It's very simple to do, and this is what top producers do.
0: Do you think you could get through a book every month on 30 minutes a day?
1: Oh, yeah. I think you could get through a couple books
0: might be a good goal for the listeners, you know, knock down two books, two books a month. I mean, your mind would be fresh. You'd be, you'd be an expert in your field for sure. And along the lines of the last episode that we did, I think that would come through in your confidence and your presence.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. These things all tie together. Anything else on core inner qualities today, Kurt?
1: One that really shocked me as I did the interviews, different leaders as far as, okay, what are these qualities as we started to quantify these type of things? And the one that shocked me the most that's really interesting, and this is part of those inner core qualities, is intuition. And it's interesting. Bill Gates says often you have to rely on intuition. And leaders don't talk about it much because it's one of those woo-woo, hokey, are we allowed to talk about it things, really? What is intuition? Because you really can't quantify it. And so listening to that, you can call it your inner voice, that intuition, that instinct, that impulse. You can call it whatever you want. But when you look at true leaders – they follow this intuition. And the studies show it too, that top level leaders score higher in using intuition than lower level managers. And it's interesting. And what it comes down to, it, any leader, especially maybe a CEO of an organization, they have a thousand pages they can quantify and what they need to do and they can research it all day long. But ultimately, they gotta follow their heart, follow that instinct, follow that impulse, that urge, that hunch, gut reaction, whatever you want to call it to make that decision and they rely on that a lot more than lower level leaders or lower level managers. And that is interesting to me that that's part of us is listening to that inner voice and instead of focusing on delaying the decision, instead of spending all that time delaying the decision, it's interesting too that successful people and leaders, they have the ability to make quicker decisions than the average person. Put it off, they make quicker decisions and that's very helpful in their success and that inner core quality.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Any questions about what we talked about today, everybody, go ahead and send them to us. You can tweet them at Influence Max or send them to us at MaximizeYourInfluence at com. In the meantime, we need Kurt to cue up the blunder.
1: Oh, Homer, go for the blunder.
0: Don't, don't, don't! You were telling us last week that you went to the boat show, and I guess somebody there needs to get fired.
1: <laughs> they do. <laughs> Very old school. Listeners probably know if you're a long-time listener that, yeah, cars would do nothing for me, but wow, you put a nice boat in front of me. It was interesting to see the new features, and one of the most interesting things, it's not the blunder, but these boats, these brand-new boats have gaping holes in the side of their holes. (laughs) We're talking one foot by five inches, these huge holes in the side of a boat, and common sense would be, I don't want a hole in the side of my boat, (laughs) But they're using it for wake surfing where they can suck in a 1,000 pounds of water in a couple seconds. Really? So that's a brand-new thing that I saw. So we're looking around. I love looking at boats, different things, different features. And we were looking at this one. It was a beautiful-looking boat. And one thing I have not liked over the past couple years is everything's going to glitter on these boats. Oh, no. Stop it. No, I'm serious. Almost. 70% 70% of these boats have these glitter paint that glitters in the sunshine. And had, I'm not a fan of that. Ugh. I didn't like it at all. I'm like, really? Do I want glitter? But someone's buying it. Something's out. I don't know who decided that glitter was the thing that was in. Stop but they're buying all... it, everyone. Knock it off. <laughs> no more glitter. And I don't know if you can really repaint a boat. <laughs> uh, I would say no on a on at least a maybe a wakeboarding type boat. Yeah. So talking to this person, I mean, this boat was perfect. It was beautiful. It was nice, but it had red glitter on the outside. Like, really? And he kept going. He liked this boat. I'm like, yeah, it's a nice boat. And he kept talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of the, the color. He's like, oh, look over here. Let's look at this one. Showed me another one. And he kept going and kept pushing. And, and it was all, they were all glitter boats. All glitter boats. And the blunder is this, is that he assumed all these different things. He never asked, well, what's the perfect color look, look like to you? What color would you like? He assumed that it was the just the standard color. To me, it was the glitter. He never asked. He never found out. He kept pushing me. Different styles, different types of glitter. Well, there's black glitter and there's red glitter. He never spent the time to really find out what does the perfect boat look like to you? What are the colors are you looking for? He just went to the next one, went to the next one, went to the next one, assuming, data dumping, vomiting, all these features and benefits. And all the features were fine, but to me, it was just a hold up and it just didn't feel right to have a boat That was glitterized. There's your word for the day. That was glitterized. I just couldn't get myself to do it.
0: So probably a better way for him to do this is to say, hey, we've got a lot of different options here. Is there anything in particular that you really want or you don't want in a boat? If he would have said that to you, would you have said, no glitter?
1: I would. I would have said all the... First of all, he would have found out the exact size and type of boat because you can go from 20 passengers to 11 passengers. A lot of different options there. Do you want the the... Outside tanks that suck in the water for wakeboarding and wake surfing, but even just at that one point where I said, "Yeah, I'm not a fan of the color," he didn't know if that was the interior, the exterior, the seats. He didn't know any of those things. He just assumed and went to the next one, went to the next one. I said, "Well, what, what about this color you don't like, or what is the perfect color for you? What exactly are you looking for?" Just to find more information, he didn't do. He just needed to ask a few more questions and he just got stuck in a downward spiral because he was just going from here to here to here, never asking any questions.
0: Uh, And he's Homer. He's the blunder. He's (laughs) Homer.
1: Blunder for you. (laughs) And he doesn't even know. Doesn't even know, and he loses the boat sail. He loses the boat sail. Wow. Wow, over glitter. Over glitter. I haven't been in
0: a few years. I'm very disappointed to hear about the glitter.
1: (laughs) I know. It also reminds me of talking to a student who loved red Audis. And she drove a red Audi for 200,000 miles plus. I mean, that was her thing. She was excited about it. And so she was just going to replace it with another red Audi. And she went to the Audi dealership, and, and they didn't ask any questions. It was very similar to what we just talked about. And they said, well, here's a white one. Here's a black one. And it had to be red. It needed to be red. That's what she wanted was red. Well, about this. And and she would have waited two months for them to order a red one, but they never asked. They kept pushing her. They pushed her. So she finally left and went to a Ford dealership and bought a different, similar, but it was a red car that is what she wanted and they lost the business because they didn't ask the question
0: wow if the audi ceo hears about this that somebody
1: ended up at a ford dealership he is wow wow exactly (laughs) and she was happy with the ford and doing that but she just wanted it red that was her thing it had to be a red and they were doing everything to sell everything and pushing and pushing and pushing repelling and repelling. and they said well what exactly are you looking for i want a red one well we can order that it'll be here in two weeks it would have been a done deal she was in no hurry
0: I don't pretend to be the best salesperson in the world, but when I have a new client come to me, I always just say, What's going on? <laughs> just big, open ended, and I let them just go. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's it. And again, we've talked about it before is that great, influential people, top persuaders ask three times more questions than the average ones.
0: Well, there you have it, everybody. Great show today, Kurt. We appreciate all the, the information covered on leadership. We're going to be back next week for episode 128, where we're going to continue drilling down on this some more. And we look forward to having you on next week's episode. Talk to
1: you then. Take care and persuade with power.